0: You better prepare for this one. Why? You may think you know everything. He's an idiot. But I'm here to spill the truth. And I don't miss.
1: History part of
0: This is The Tantalizing Truth. I'm back. Welcome, everyone, to episode three of the Cantalizing Truths podcast. I am your host, Thomas Ayala, alongside Nick Data. Nick, how are you doing today?
2: I'm great, Thomas. I'm doing well. I'm ready to talk sports, and let's do it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I got my uh, my Herbert's Lemonade. Is it Hubert or Herbert's Lemonade? I don't know, but it's the one that comes in the glass bottle. The stuff's actually way less, like, sugary than a Snapple or whatever you would oh, normally okay. buy. Highly recommend. We got uh NBA, M- MLB, NFL. We got to talk about that. Earlier today, I sat down with um, MLB Network's Brian Hoke, so here is the interview. So, folks, as uh, highly anticipated and advertised on our Instagram page, at the Tantalizing Truth Podcast, we're going to have a special guest, and I'm joined by the co-author of Mission 27, A New Boss, New Ballpark, and One Last Ring for the Yankees, Core 4, which was published in 2019. And he is also the author which has been revised for paperback edition. The Baby Bomber is the inside story of the New York Yankees dynasty. He's also a regular, regularly seen figure on MLB Network, and he has been featured on Yankees Magazine, New York Mets Inside Pitch, and on FoxSports.com. From Sloatsburg, New York, New York Yankees insider since 2007. His last name rhymes with Coke, Brian Hoke. Brian, welcome to the show.
1: What an intro. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> hey, Always a pleasure. You're always uh, welcome on this platform. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, you know, it's been a roller coaster season once again for the Yankees. Injuries have been another gigantic issue. Of course, DJ LeMay, Hugh, Aaron Hicks, Judge Stanton, uh, Luis Severino had Tommy John surgery in the winter are the biggest names that had to miss a lot of time this year. And there was a point where the Yankees were dropping out of the playoffs and they were 21 and 21, but Brian Cashman had a... Another one of his speeches, and the Yankees went on a 10-game win streak. So if you're looking at this Yankee season as a whole, from their hot start to their shaky midseason to what has kind of shown up as a strong finish, what would you grade uh, this Yankee season on a scale of from A-plus to an F? Um,
1: well, I think the final grade we don't know yet because it – a Yankee team is always judged on whether they win the World Series or not. So really, uh, I know what you're asking. And I feel like for a Yankee fan, it's more of taking a class pass fail. You know, it's either, either <laughs> you did it or you didn't do it. And so, um, you know, I think that um, to grade their performance right now, I, I probably I'm sitting somewhere near a B minus or a C. I mean, they've been so streaky and this is a team that we came in thinking they were a favorite to win the world series they got out of the gate really hot they were uh, 16 and 6 in their first uh, 22 games there then they went into that tailspin that you talked about and they were 5 and 15 They went all the way back down to 500. That was when Cashman flew up to Buffalo, kind of gave them the pep talk they needed. Aaron Boone, uh, Luke Voigt really was the one that sticks out in my mind as far as just giving them the tough love and the kick in the butt that they needed. And um, Then they went on a hot streak, and then they went cold again. So – it really just depends, I think, on which team you're going to see in uh, in a week or so here, because that's really when it when it's going to matter. And uh, that's the the interesting thing about this year is that, as much as we all wanted baseball back and how it was great to have baseball back, the way the playoffs were expanded, I almost feel like it was kind of an exhibition season. And now you got 16 teams uh, out of the 30 that are going into the postseason. It's going to be this crazy March Madness type tournament. And now, you know, who remembers the teams that lost in the first round of the uh, of the NCAA tournament? And nobody really, you know. You remember who the champion is at the end. And maybe the runner-up, but, um, you know, I think that it's that old George Steinbrenner thing. Championship or bust. And if you didn't do it, the season's a failure. And that's what Aaron Judd said last year. And that's what I'll say right now on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned um, Luke Voigt really stepping up there. Um, you know, most of those under-the-radar players tried to fill in some big shoes and they did an okay-ish job, I would say. But yeah, championship or bust has been the Yankees' mentality for some time now. And speaking of um, you know, players stepping up, Gary Sanchez has not had a season to remember. I mean, I, I also said before that if, this is, if the, you're going to have a bad year, this might as well be the one. 60 games, it's in odd conditions. Gary Sanchez in particular stood out to me. And I've heard this from a lot of Yankees fans that I talk to, that some of them would be open to shopping him around to see what his value would be in the open market. I just want to pick your brain on that a little bit. Do you think that it would be a good idea to turn Gary Sanchez into an expendable player, or should the Yankees still uh, have some faith in their all-star catcher?
1: I think they do have faith in Gary, but I feel like he's losing – some of that. I feel like the rope is growing short, and you saw that yesterday with what Aaron Boone said and what Brian Cashman said. I mean, they have been in Sanchez's corner for years now, and uh, as recently as a month ago, Cashman was saying, don't even ask me about it. I don't want to hear it. Like He is by far our best option on both sides of the ball, and then you fast forward here three or four weeks, and now Boone is saying it's going to be a day-to-day decision between him and Kyle Higashioka in the postseason. And so if, the, if your chips are all in on this guy as he is the catcher of the future and the present – then we wouldn't be talking about Kyle Higashioka at all um, and so he's going to catch Garrett Cole for sure he's probably going to catch something more than that I would imagine that in the first round you're going to see maybe Gary catches Masahiro Tanaka in game two and then you see where you're at but the fact that it's not even a lock that Gary will start behind the plate I think speaks volumes about where the Yankees are right now with him and I know the, the analytics show that he's hit the ball hard and he's gotten the bad luck and stuff but at some point the results. Matter. And this is now back-to-back years where Gary has really struggled on the average front. Um, you know, he's, he's still got the home run power, the he Grand Slam. He's had some moments, but um, you can't live with a, uh, a starting catcher who's going to hit 150, 180, 200. And, and just hit the occasional bomb. Um, look, I, I think that they've they've invested so much time into Gary. He signed with the Yankees in 2009. He was 16 years old. They gave him $3 million. So they've got a lot of time and money invested in Gary, and they want to see it happen. And, uh, you know, you've seen him. He's an all-star catcher when he's got it all clicking. But this whole year, last year, for a large stretch of it, he's had injury problems. Um I'm not surprised that Yankee fans are, are frustrated and, and ready to turn the page. I don't think the Yankees are, but I do think that if somebody called Cashman this offseason and had a decent offer for Gary Sanchez, the response would not be to hang up the phone. And, and whereas if you call and ask about Glaber Torres, you, you're getting hung up on. I don't think you're going to get hung up on about Gary Sanchez.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I totally see where you're coming from. And obviously Yankee fans aren't the most uh, patient people in the world. But I think that it is smart to still have faith in Gary because, like you said, they've invested so much time in him. And speaking of investing time in players, Clint Frazier has really, really stepped up this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He's not missing you know, any of those easy pop-ups or overrunning a base hit. He's really shown up on that end of the ball. And, I mean, this, the hitting, we already know he can do that. And he just took it to another level. And during that 10-game win streak, Clint Frazier was on fire do you see him being the everyday left fielder if the Yankees are open to that option? Or do you see them kind of moving him to DH spot or potentially keeping him as a utility guy off the bench? No,
1: uh, yeah, I see him as the everyday left fielder. By we knew the bat was there. We knew it was going to play at the big league level. He has worked so hard on the defense. The results are really uh, coming in. And that's one thing. I'm on time at the ballpark than i in a usual season because of just the COVID year. And, um, like, we, we don't even get to come in as early as we usually do. But every time I come in at, at say, 5 o'clock when they open the gates clint is out there working and uh that's that's something that i've really been impressed with like he spends a lot of time with reggie willets on the outfield coaching this goes back to last year uh he knew that that was an area of his game that needed to be improved it was holding him back from from reaching his potential and i i said this last year too i thought that uh there was some cumulative effect of the uh concussion that he had all the way back 2 years ago in down in Denim, Bradenton florida he wasn't the same guy in the outfield last year and and That was – his bat was always a calling card coming up through the system, but nobody ever said, well, this guy's an absolute butcher in the field and he's going to kill you and he's a DH only. Nobody ever said that until last year. So I really thought that that was an effect of the concussion. He's kind of spoken about that a little bit now uh, in hindsight, saying he didn't realize how much it was affecting him. And I think that that's why you saw him being tentative and kind of losing track of a lot of balls. But that's over now, and he really has improved. I think I saw a stat where – uh, he's actually in the top five as far as defensive runs saved in, among major league outfielders, which is crazy. Um, yeah, what a turnaround, what an improvement. And so um, especially on a roster where you're going to have to find a spot for Giancarlo Stanton and you don't want him playing the outfield because of the injury problems. And I think that, you know, you go into next season, and I can't believe we're talking about next season, but I think it's Frazier and left uh, Hicks in center and Judge and right, and then you, you wait and see. I, I don't know if Brett Gardner's going to come back. I don't know what the deal is going to be with Mike Topman. He's had kind of a rough year here, so I'm sure topman will come back, but I think that Frazier has by far his best option in left field, and so he's earned that spot now, and I think he's earned it for next year too.
0: Definitely an area of positivity, and he actually is well above just breaking even on the defensive end. He's pretty high up there. I was listening to Michael K show yesterday and Michael was ravenous about Clint's defensive improvement. But you also mentioned, um, you know, players coming back and free agency. DJ LeMayhew, Masahiro Tanaka, Mike Talkman are all free agents. And of course, Brett Gardner's 38 and he signed, I think, a one-year deal. What do you think the Yankees do here in the offseason? I mean, they can obviously can do a lot because they have the money to spend. But do you think that re-signing LeMayhew and Tanaka are the top priorities, or do you think that Cashman has something else in mind? I
1: think Cash has always got something else in mind, but I mean, the easiest thing to do, I think, for me, is to re-sign DJ LeMahieu. I mean, what a steal of a deal this has been. At two years of $24 million, you got a guy who uh, you brought him in to basically be a utility infielder. They didn't even have a set position for him, and they said, we'll figure it out, and Man, he, he wound up playing like an MVP candidate. And he, he was the, the best player on the team last year. He's probably going to win the batting title this year. So, uh, hard to imagine uh, anybody coming to New York and doing a better job at it than DJ LeMahieu. I, I just I, I didn't fully appreciate his game while he was in Colorado. And I know he won a batting title there, but you always kind of have that in the back of your mind. You say, uh, it's Coors Field. You know, the, the offense inflated. But this guy is just a gamer. And uh, I think that you could put him, if you could time travel, you put him on any team in Yankee history and he would have a spot on that team. He could go play with Ruth and Gary. You could go play with Mantle and Barra. Like, I, it's just he would fit on any team. In Yankee history, and I—that I, is the highest compliment I can give to DJ LeMahieu—is that he, this guy's just a gamer. He shows up with his his lunch pail, he goes to work, and gets three hits, and, and then the Yankees win. Um, Just—he's been one of my favorite players to watch, just because of the consistency and um, the way he goes about his business so if I were the Yankees I I look <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of financial considerations after this year where you don't have fan attendance and you didn't get any of that revenue but you asked me are the Yankees going to be better without DJ LeMahieu next year I don't know who they can get to replace him so I would go after him first uh Tanaka I think um Look, I'd make an overture. It's been a—it's been a solid seven-year deal. Remember, in the first year, we didn't even know if he was gonna be able to finish the season. We thought that that ulnar collateral ligament was gonna blow out, and he was able to get through seven years of it. So, he hasn't really talked about his uh, his plans for next year. I think he's waiting to see how the postseason goes. But uh, clearly, you know, Tanaka turned down an opportunity to test free agency. So, I think um, there's certain affinity there and a loyalty to the Yankees so I I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him back and that those would be my my one and two in, in terms of priorities but I think LeMahieu has to be a clear number one for me because uh they're a much better team with him than
0: without him he is machine for a reason the guy all he does is just rake and field and plays a great baseball game and Tanaka he's money especially in the postseason speaking of the postseason uh, we're about three games away from that. The Yankees have their final series against the Marlins, who are actually in the playoffs. Yes, I know that's a strange uh, say, sentence to say. But who are some of the teams in this playoffs that you're really, that people are really sleeping on? Like, Who are the teams that are going to go under the radar and you're going to go, okay, you know what, maybe these guys can make a serious run.
1: Wow, I mean, there's a lot just in the American League, and I think part of that is because of this short season. Because, like, for example, a team like Toronto – if you looked at them in the preseason and spring training, you didn't think that they were going to be a postseason contender. But and and had they had to go over a 162, they probably weren't going to. But it, in a 60-game sprint where you've got expanded playoffs, um, you know, any team, any team could really make some uh, some waves there and, and some noise. And that's why you saw on the other side with Miami. I mean, what nobody went through anything more challenging than they did when they lost half their team to COVID and the Blue Jays didn't have a home. I mean, they had to wind up go playing their games in Buffalo. I I think that the teams that succeed in this environment are the ones that are mentally strong enough to overcome everything that's going on. And I think to a certain extent, all the teams have had to deal with it, but some have dealt with it better than others. And I'm thinking of, you know, when the Cardinals had their COVID stuff and um, I, I just, I, I think that there's so many teams in there that can be dangerous, especially in that first round that I, I'm sure we're going to see some upsets. I, I won't be shocked. Look, the Rays ran away with the American League East. They, they beat the Yankees eight out of ten times would anybody be shocked if somehow they just lose two out of three and they're done in the first round? I wouldn't be. Um, so I think that you've got a real open kind of window here for a team to be a disruptor and to kind of accelerate ahead of time. And so, you know, Toronto's fresh in my mind, just having watched them manhandle the Yankees for three out of four days. I, I think that they're a dangerous team in the postseason, but the other thing of it is, a lot of these teams haven't even seen each other. Like, if the Yankees wind up playing the Twins, the White Sox, the Indians, they haven't played them at all this year. And so you're going off year-old scouting reports, and, you know, you've got the video and stuff like that, but it's not the same as actually stepping in the box and facing their pitchers. So I think um, you know, we are definitely going to see some surprises and upsets in this. And um, so, you know, I, I came into the year thinking the Dodgers and Yankees were going to meet in the World Series, but – now you've expanded the field and you've got this kind of wild card round where anything can happen, I'm not so sure about that.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that the uh, playoff picture does have a slew of, slew of really good teams. And uh, other than the Yankees, I'm really high on the Chicago White Sox to make a run. But that Indians pitching staff, yeah. too, can also give team a run, for, a run for their money. Last question I want to ask you, Brian, is um, you are in the journalism business you do appear on television. Um, I just wanted to ask what would be some advice that you have for a young journalist that's heading into this field? What would be the one thing you could go back in time and just tell your younger self, make sure that you do this? Like what would be, what's the most imperative thing you would say?
1: Wow. Um, There's a lot of things I would probably go back. I mean, I think part of this is just, you're going to make mistakes and you've got to be open to that and learn from that and realize like I don't know if I would actually literally go back and change anything I did because everything was a learning experience and I think that uh that was the big thing was just getting that uh having a positive attitude you know I was around so many people especially during my college years where people would kind of complain and moan and I don't want to do this and that assignment sounds stupid and I don't want to go to that and sometimes you got to take the stuff you don't really want to do um which will help you get up that ladder to the stuff that you do want to do. And so, you know, for me, in my example, my dream was always to cover baseball. And so um, there was, there was a lot of things that I did, um, you know, I, I covered little league games and um, you know, uh, lots of community stuff and, you know, it wasn't necessarily the sexiest stuff. But once I actually did get um, to Shea Stadium first and then to Yankee Stadium and start making those connections in the press box, uh, that was hugely important to me. And I think so. Um, I, I guess my advice to 21-year-old me would be that you don't know everything, and that's okay. Um, that you're here because you, you're you here to learn. Um, so ask questions. Listen. Listen. Uh, listening is even more important than asking questions. Just watch how people, uh, the people who have been there before act and what they do. And look, there are some people that are going to be bad examples, but the more you're around, you'll see, okay, this guy does it. I like how he does it. This guy is kind of a clown. I don't want to be like that. Um, and, you know, I, I, you're going to ask a silly question once in a while, and that's, that's okay, and you'll probably have a player who doesn't want to talk to you, and that's okay, too. And it's all part of it. Um, I, I think that there's just – in this line of work where our job is to approach people that we don't know really that well, um, try to get to know them and ask them for their time and try and ask them for their thoughts. Um, there are going to be a few awkward moments here and there, but – the more you can do it, the more you can build relationships, it, it kind of really helps to gain the trust of our sources. And really at the end of the day, that's what it is. We're trying to have these people, whether it's a, a player or a coach or, you know, a, a guy who witnessed a fire, whatever kind of line of journalism you're in, um, you're trying to gain their trust to be like, look, I'm here. I, I want to tell your story. Uh, this is not a, I'm not trying to get you. Uh, this is, I'm, I want to know what you know and uh, to relay that to the audience. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of that, that middleman. And we've, uh, we've got a lot of power in the journalism industry, but it's challenged a lot now, especially in this era of fake news and stuff. And, um, yeah, I just think that everything is changing so fast. And 21-year-old uh, me would not even recognize this, this industry as it is right now because social media has just taken over. The flow of it is so fast now. Um, just I, I think that in a lot of ways it's like dry, drinking from a fire hose, especially with Twitter and, and stuff like that. So I, I would say, you know, to sum up, just – hang in there uh listen more than you speak and um and look to the people who have done it and been successful and uh model yourself after them and not for the weak or the loudest voice in the room because a lot of times they don't know what they're talking about
0: that was great stuff well thank you so much brian for uh coming here onto the show um make sure you guys follow brian on twitter at brian hoke always tweeting about the yankees i do like most of his tweets and my favorite, uh, favorite content you post actually is your daughter when she does the Yankees preview. I think that is just awesome. And she's, she's really. Thank famous. you.
1: It's been fun this year. She's getting to the right age where she kind of understands baseball now. She's four, so um, she's learning. Uh, and it's really <laughs> cool to see her uh, to pick out her favorite players. Her favorite player is Aaron Judd. So um, <sighs> it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so thank you so much, Brian Hulk of MLB TV, Yankees Insider. Make sure you guys go follow him on his socials. And now, Nick, let's jump to the NBA. Celtics, Heat, and Lakers-Nuggets were the two recent games. Let's start with the Lakers and the Nuggets. My, my God, was that a dogfight last night. Jamal Murray, towards the end, was trying to willpower, and he got And LeBron James defended his drive to the basket and got away with a foul. Murray did finish with 32 points, and he's been going off these playoffs, Nick. Is this guy ready to break out? Is he already one of the best guards in the NBA? I don't think
2: he's ready to break out. I think he already has broke out. I think if you say anything, otherwise you're crazy. Um, <laughs> what I think is so cool about the bubble is you kind of, it's, it's almost, it seems like a mini season in itself. And we're seeing these guys just absolutely tear it up. And and Murray is for sure. You could argue the MVP of, of, of the bubble playoffs. I mean, he's back-to-back series. Well, like they're looking to make a three now, obviously three series in a row where they can come back from a three, one deficit and him and Jokic arguably have equally carried that load of the two superstar players. You know, it's, Jokic says it about Murray, and Murray says it about Jokic. Uh, they both say that the other one is a star. They're a superstar already. And uh, I think with Jokic, we already saw that. And now Murray, you 100% have to say, yes, he's, he's up there with that status.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jamal Murray has just been nothing short of sensational in the bubble. I mean, this 32-point game with eight assists just kind of adds to his greatness. But one player I expected, actually, um, to come out of the Nuggets and step up, uh, it wasn't actually Jeremy Grant, who, by the way, nicknamed for him is Spider Guy. <laughs> Captain Sap, Paul Millsap, I expected him to kind of show up a little bit. He's just kind of vanished. And if they were going to have any chance of stopping Anthony Davis with a post defender that isn't Mason Plumlee, I would have thought it would be Millsap. The clock, the clock of Father Time has kind of hit him in the head and just knocked him out cold. He just, he's just been non-existent on both ends. I mean, on Friday night he did have a corner three, but he only had five points. Millsap is important to this team in a way because he is their best post defender. But would you bring him back if he's just playing like this?
2: Depends what you could get him for. I mean, the issue with Millsap is he's almost what you could consider a dying breed of a forward in the league. You know, he's a. He's not necessarily a small forward. He's more of a powerful, like you said, post defender, guy who could back you down. But it's only, what, six eight, maybe? You got six guys nine, who are 6'8", yeah. running the floor, shooting from you know, deep, anything. And Millsap just kind of doesn't fit that mold anymore. And as you said, yeah, he's getting older. I think he's 34, 35. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, he's a great veteran, you know, a great veteran presence to have. But uh, yeah, I think his time could be coming to, to potentially get him out of there. I know they signed him big. But if they got to pay a lot of money to get him again, I don't think it's worth it for Denver.
0: Yeah, I remember when uh, they threw him the three-year, $90 million deal. I'm pretty sure he's a player option for like twenty-four, $5 million. Yeah, something like that. In no way, he does not decline. Yeah. So, but like we talked about on the last episode with Devonta Freeman on the Giants, like Millsap's good. He's a voice of reason, especially to a team like the Nuggets. He's kind of a it's, – it's kind of an old-school throwback mixed in with this, with this new-school stuff. So it's, it's kind of nice to have him, I guess. Yeah. Like you said, if if they don't have to overpay, they can probably give him a really cheap contract. But if he wants like twenty million dollars, like that's just a big no-no. However, the Lakers side of things, LeBron and A D, LeBron with twenty six points, nine rebounds, eight assists, A D with thirty four points. I mean, these two have they've been everything that people have expected them to be. Not only in, in the bubble, but just when the actual NBA was happening, Nick.
2: I, to me, what really stood out was you expect the numbers from superstar players in any game they're playing in. That's their job. But what stood out to me was that LeBron, thankfully, especially for his ego and all those LeBron fans out there, <laughs> he decided back off everyone, back off Danny Green, back off Rondo. I'll take Jamal Murray to end the game. And I don't, I, if, I don't think if he did not do that, I don't think the Lakers win the game. Because, of course, when LeBron wants to step it up and go full gear, he's still got it in him. It's just how much gas he's got left in the tank. But it's good that, especially for him and all the the LeBron fans out there, that he stepped up, he shut down Murray. And now you're looking at the Lakers trying to end it in Game 5 and move to the finals.
0: Yeah, I mean, LeBron probably has another four or five years, I like to say, left in those legs. I mean, he actually got some help this time from his role players. Uh, Dwight Howard had 12 points and 11 rebounds, and I call him horrible. I still think he is, despite he had a good game. Caldwell Pope is another guy I don't think is good. He had 13 points. Rondo had uh, 11 and 7. Wow. And then Kuzma actually had 10. And Kuzma actually scored over 9 points. So, shout out to him. But one of my biggest concerns, no doubt, for this Lakers team, and I know that these games have been close, is that Danny Green has just, he's also vanished. He's the guy yeah. on the other team that just has not shown up. And I know that the Lakers are winning games, granted with the superstars and people are stepping up, but I would have thought that Danny Green would be a lot better than this. He's been miserable. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. He's been miserable. I don't know. Like, yeah, and
2: it's, and it's almost been basically the entirety of the playoffs. Oh, um, the bubble too. So, yeah, I, I don't know where he's gone or if he was maybe a hoax since that finals run he had with the Spurs where he if the Spurs won that year in 2013 he could have won the finals MVP just with his shooting alone I don't know I mean I think he still has a role of course he's a if he does not have the three there he's still at least a great defender yeah but uh I mean you're playing 21 minutes a night you got to be able to to shoot better than what he shoots and only finishes with three points in scoreboard
0: Yeah, I mean, if I was Frank Vogel or at least LeBron, I would be telling him because he's supposed to be one of the leaders of this team. You got to step it up. Speaking of stepping up, uh, the Boston Celtics lost again to the Heat. However, Kemba Walker had another uh, solid game. He had 20 points, so he showed up. Uh, Jason Tame with 28, Jalen Brown with 21. Miami did walk away with this, 112-109, because of one man and one man only, Tyler... Baby goat hero showed up with 37 points. Nick, Tyler Hero's for real. Again, <laughs> he's
2: for real. Again, this yeah, kid's I mean, playing with fire. <laughs> there's, uh, yeah, there's no other way to put it. I mean, it's, what scares me is the fact that I think the only player to, to make a conference finals now born in the 2000s.
0: He's the first.
2: First, yeah, right? First and only. So he's, and, and not to mention he broke D Wade's record of most points scored in a playoff game by a, a heat rookie and D ways was 27 hero goes out and scores 10 more. <laughs> um, you know, and, and when you watch those games, man, it's, it's not like he's just a, a pure shooter. He's, he's just deadly wherever he goes. Cause you're worried about him, you know, taking a step back or, or making a pass out to another shooter, or even he had a couple of great lay-ins where he attacked the hoop. You know, I mean, 37, you got a lot of great, great players on this heat team. And it was clear that night that hero was, the guy for Miami.
0: No, I mean, Tyler Hero has has been phenomenal. I mean, I, I went to actually go see him play uh, last year at the Garden. It was Kentucky versus Seton Hall. So it was Miles Powell versus Tyler Hero. And those two put on a show, let me tell you. Yeah. But watching Tyler Hero that game, you could see the confidence that he had. And I said during that game to my dad, while Keldon Johnson might be Kentucky's best player on the court right now, Tyler Hero is going to be an NBA All Star when he makes the jump. He's just that good. It's just that Calipari's system is a lot more about sharing the ball. Obviously, college is a little bit different, but he's just exploded onto the scene in South Beach. I mean, he, Jeff Van Gundy said he needs to be walked out to half court and given an honorary rookie first team. Yeah. He's going to get a friggin' statue if he's going to, if he's doing this now, imagine if he realizes his potential like in two years.
2: Yeah, well, that's what I, uh, you know, that's what I love to see with this. He's, he's still so young. It's like I've, I've often talked about, as much as I hate all the hype around Zion, this guy's 20 years old and he does what he does as a 20-year-old. Imagine when he's a, a grown man, you know? So it'll be, it'll be great to see Hero develop. And, again, people a lot of guys are just looking at him as a straight shooter. But, I mean, the more longer you're in the league, the more time you get to grow and develop. And he's certainly in the right system to do that in Miami. And uh, you know him and with Jimmy Butler and him having a close relationship, uh, I see nothing but success coming for Tyler.
0: Yeah, you definitely see uh, Jimmy Butler's influence rubbing off on Tyler big time. Speaking of Jimmy, he had a nice bounce back game: twenty four points, nine rebounds. Bam Adebayo with his twenty and twelve, nothing, nothing new there. And then Drajic had twenty two. The Heat are gonna probably close this one out. It's they're up three one. Knock on wood, they don't turn into Golden State and just completely fall apart. Yeah. Miami, are they the team if they make it to the finals? Are they the team that's going to end up slowing down the Lakers? Is it them? I mean, the, all of the Lakers' playoff opponents have been horrible. Is it going to be Miami? Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, my hope. I listen, I'm not giving up on Denver. It would be a, it would be an unwise thing to do, but at the same time, the Lakers are different than any team. I mean, I guess I don't know. The Clippers were a great team too, but the Lakers seem much more fundamentally sound. Play, they just play as a team, and I think their superstars are better. But I would, I mean, I would love to see a Heat Nuggets finals. I don't think it'll happen, but I think yeah, if I had to pick one team, to slow them down. I think why not Miami? Almost yeah, at this why point. not? You know, they shut down Giannis. They I think were ten and one in their first eleven playoff games why not Miami? You know, it's, it's, it's what a run for them. What a season so far and, and why not Miami is, is my, my thought process there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's pretty much been their team model. Why the hell not? I mean, you kind of looked at the team going into the season. I mean, yeah, they signed Jimmy Butler, but it was like, yeah, had Adebayo, Tyler, you had a bunch of rookies with hero and none. None hasn't been playing by the way. Which yeah. Is, which is crazy
2: to think that he almost won rookie of the year and he's not even in.
0: I know he was in the race for a while and he's just, Spolstra's just like, he's not going to play. But I mean, you also like old Drogic who's on an expiring contract and you thought they would trade. They didn't really make any moves at all other than Crowder and Iguodala. And that was one trade with Winslow. But this Miami Heat team, just, they're just, in, they don't give up. I don't know what Pat Riley said in the preseason training camp in their little pep talk. I don't know what the heck he said, but it's worked phenomenally. And you got to think Nick that, Coming this offseason, they're gonna make a, a serious move.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wonder if that's actually the case because I mean you gotta give Pat Riley, Eric Spotify, the whole Heat organization, you gotta give them credit, man, for what they've done the past you could go fifteen years, even when they brought in Shaq and won and won a championship in oh six. I am curious to see if if they will make some sort of splash in free agency because it's almost my logic here would be if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If they go and win the finals this year. Do you need more? Do you, need more? Do you yeah. need more is the question. Listen, I think the Heat team could definitely get more uh, star talent. But it's just, again, what we've talked about time and time again is, is just how sound of a team this really is with with, with Butler and bio, Tyler Hero emerging, Drogic. You know, I've, I've always thought Goran Drogic is one of the most underrated players in the league. And no even doubt. now as he gets older, he's, he's still showing out and playing. And you just have all these guys who really merge well as a team. And in the end, at the end of the day, in, in any sport, if you don't play as a team, in a team sport, you're not going to win. You, again, you could argue that they are one of the least talented teams still remaining. It's interesting to me to see them get this far. And then you wonder next season, they win the finals or they get to the finals and they make it close at least, whatever, whatever the case may be. What do they do next season?
0: All right, folks, and we're moving on to our week three NFL picks. We did this last week. Uh, I beat Nick by two with a score of 13 out of 15. Nick had 11 out of 15. However, he nailed – Yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. You knew that was coming up. (laughs) I'm not going to be Michael K and torture you like they did yesterday to Peter Rosenberg and make him eat crickets. So, (laughs) be safe. All right, first um, game on the list, Niners-Giants. Unfortunately, Nick – the giants are gonna get crushed i'm sorry i'm thinking the niners yeah i'm not
2: i'm not arguing that um <laughs> you know they're still both teams heavy injuries but i just don't think i don't think the giants got anything i can't i can't say seriously they're winning I'm
0: picking the big the washington football team is taking on the cleveland browns this week so the browns have the uh tall task of slowing down terry mclaurin uh i'm going with the browns at pass rush their overall rushing defense in general is Actually, not bad, and maybe they can overpower the football team. So Browns here for me.
2: Yeah, and I'm taking Cleveland too. Uh, they had a big win against Cincinnati. I think they showed, you know, they they really can actually come out. Cincinnati obviously yeah, not a great team, but Cleveland showed signs that they could actually be somewhat better than what they've been in the past. So I think they've got the game overwatch.
0: Bengals, Eagles. This is also not exactly a game you would like to watch, but I'm going with the Birds here. Miles Sanders is just probably the best player in this game and that's the only reason I'm gonna pick the Eagles.
2: Yeah, I think I think the Eagles are the favorite, but I'm going with the Bengals. I think Burrow's gonna get his first win. I think they played a competitive game against Cleveland last week. I think they were in it and they had a chance. And if the Eagles continue to play like they've been playing the first two weeks, Cincinnati's easily got a chance to walk away with the W.
0: Patriots, Raiders. Uh, this is the matchup of the running backs, Josh Jacobs versus Cam Newton. <laughs> Um, Last week, the Patriots were in a tight one with the Seahawks where they lost 35 to 31. I have no confidence in the Patriots rush game. I do have confidence in their secondary, but I do not have any confidence in their rush game. However, the Patriots are coached by Belichick. Cam Newton is better than Derek Carr. It's a tough one here, but I'm going with the Raiders.
2: Yeah, I agree. I had the Raiders picked since they won their game last week, really. They just showed, you know, that they they could be legit this year in uh, year two. Be being there. Uh, I, like, I like the Raiders here. I think Pats definitely will make it competitive like they usually do, but I'm going with
0: Vegas. Bears-Falcons, so another uh, a bird team. I'm going with Falcons here too. I know that the Bears defense is very good. Not very good, excellent. But I feel that the Atlanta Falcons just have too much juice on on their offensive side. I mean, Julio, Calvin Ridley, who was your boom last week and he absolutely Eddie. dominated despite losing to uh, Skip Bayless's favorite team, the Cowboys. I'm gonna go with the Falcons here, I think. They'll find a way to get through those offensively challenged Bears. Matty Ice is way better than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, yeah, I'm going with Falcons I mean.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Falcons easy. Only other thing I could add is if they don't show up after what happened last week, they should reconsider or even playing sports as a whole because that's embarrassing. Oh, you got to you gotta come back out. So wow. Falcons all the way, I got confidence in the birds yeah.
0: Wow, uh, <laughs> that's a lot to take in. Rams-Bills, this is actually going to be a really good game. This yeah. is a, two high-powered offenses. Uh, the Bills obviously have an exceptional defense. I do like the Rams in this one, and here's why. I mean, Goff is not the greatest of quarterbacks. He gets the job done. But I just think that Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Malcolm Brown, Henderson, you got Higby. I mean, we said this last week. They have too many offensive weapons, and they're way too talented on that side of the football to not win this game. I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to go with the Rams here.
2: I'm picking the Bills with this one. Uh, I like their D. I, I love what Josh Allen has been doing. I think he can... Even improve still, you know. Again, he's so young. I think the Bills' backs got to step up a little more. Singletary's got to uh, take a big role. Um, I know the Rams can be tough on both sides of the football, but I think Buffalo's coming out
0: with the win. Texans, Steelers, another uh, horrible situation for poor David Johnson into a tremendous run defense. This also might not be a contest, Nick. Uh, I'm going with the Steelers. I mean, just their 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 defensive prowess on the run game, the pass game, uh, the way they can switch between man and zone. And poor David Johnson, he has to carry a lot of that load. So I'm expecting him to get toasted. I'm going with the Steelers.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, it's a shame because the Texans really aren't even a bad team. It's just they're missing a lot of pieces right now, you know, whether it's with injury or just the fact that they didn't add anyone to the roster. But Steelers, again, yeah, the defense, again, I've said it before, if if not the best, one of the best in the league, I'm picking Pittsburgh all the way.
0: Titans-Vikings, this uh, might be the matchup of the running backs, Dalvin Cook versus Derrick Henry. I just traded for Dalvin Cook this week for my fantasy team because I lost Saquon to the ACL. I wanted to pick the Vikings, but I have a feeling that the Titans have enough on offense and their defense can get the job done versus this abysmal Vikings team who are 0-2. Johnu Smith is going to be playing this weekend. So I expect him, uh, Adam Humphries, to really help out Derrick Henry carry the load. So I'm the Titans.
2: Vikings have not looked great so far. Titans have uh they're showing that they could potentially make another run back deep in the playoffs um i'm i'm taking tennessee
0: panthers chargers this also might not really be a contest i'm going with the chargers here
2: you know i really i hope i mean that's really unfortunate what happened tyron taylor but i yeah. i hope herbert can uh show what he's made of over there i would love to see you know him kind of blossom especially because there's a chance before we took picked up danny dimes that herbert could have been our uh, our <laughs> quarterback but you know, I was always I, was just, I always thought he was a great uh, great talent. I'm hoping, you know, he keeps it keeps it up and gives a charge as a victory. Colts, Jets, do we even have to discuss this? I never do with the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm picking Colts.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, now here's hey, a, a game that's actually very interesting. Cowboys and the Seahawks. Yeah. This is going to be another offensive shootout that the Seahawks are going to be in. The Legion of Boom obviously just doesn't exist anymore besides Jamal Adams, and he wasn't even a part of that. I mean, Bruce Irvin's hurt, who is one of the key defensive guys. Um, but the Seahawks have a lot of weapons on offense. Again, you have DK Metcalf, David Moore, Tyler Lockett, Russ. And then you have Chris Carson, who has quietly been one of the best uh, running backs. He's quietly been very good. Yeah. Give him a lot of credit for a player he's become. I'm going with the Seahawks this game. I expected to be a shooter. I expected to be close. But I got the, uh, the Seahawks and the 12th man.
2: Um, I think I'm hoping for. A shootout between these two teams. I know uh, both both teams have some solid pieces on defense for sure, but I think both powerhouses. I really think Dak for Russell is going to be great. I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, hopefully, a lot of touchdowns, hopefully, a lot of yards. I'm taking the Seahawks though, solely not solely because, excuse me, because Russell Wilson. I think is top three quarterback in the league.
0: Moving on, Lions Cardinals. Um, Kenny Galladay is coming back for Week Three. I mean, I'm not really sure what to expect from him. Granted, the Lions are not. Super amazing, but this Cardinals offense has looked really good. So I'm going with the cards here. DeAndre Hopkins, once again, Chase Edmonds, Kenyon Drake. Might be too much, but if Kenny Galladay, if he shows up on Sunday and he plays like baby Megatron, you know, this could, this could be a game, but I'm going with the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm rocking with Arizona too. I just have really liked the Cardinals this year so far with their shown. And again, I think with guys like Kyler Murray DeAndre Hopkins, that connection's only gonna grow, grow stronger as the season goes on. So I'm taking the Cardinals over the Lions.
0: Buccaneers versus the Broncos. The Broncos are out without Cortland Sutlin, one of their top receivers. He is out with a torn ACL and Drew Locke. Drew Locke also uh, got a case of the injury bug. He um, He's gonna be out for some time. This was a tough one to pick Nick. Um, I'm actually gonna go with the Bucks because I do believe that the Broncos do have enough offense between Melvin Gordon, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, maybe can give the Bucks a game. But, I mean, it's Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. I mean, I don't know how, how you're going to beat that. <laughs> so I'm going with the Buck.
2: Yeah, and I expect something more from Brady this week after kind of a lackluster performance from him in last week's game. I think, yeah, the Broncos, you know, they're injury-plagued right now. Bucks have that just monstrous offensive talent. So yeah, I'm picking the Bucks.
0: And then the uh, Sunday night on NBC, the game of the week, football night in America, without Al Michaels, might I mention. Mike Tirico is gonna be subbing in. That's gonna be old. Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth duo. It's Packers Saints, and um, the Saints have not looked good at all. Uh, Shout out to Traquan Smith, who was my boom for last week. He exceeded expectations, and I expect him to have a big game. I'm going with my cheese heads. I can't ever turn on Aaron Rodgers. He makes too many good plays. I know that Devontae Adams is out, but they're going to they're gonna be spamming spamming Aaron Jones like there's no tomorrow. I'm going with my cheese heads.
2: You know, I would say this could be a different story uh, if the Saints were at full strength. I think both teams, you could argue, could make the Super Bowl this season. Um, yeah, I'm going Green Bay.
0: And then the Monday night game is the Chiefs and the Ravens. This, I've been Shit. waiting to talk about this one with you. This, this is gonna be an absolute bloodbath. I mean, I on hope. one end, you have Patrick Mahomes, who was probably the best player in the NFL. You have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's already an elite running back, Tyreek Hill. And then the other side of the ball, you have Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, uh, Hollywood Brown. And then the Ravens' defense might be the X factor. I'm, I, I'm As much as I want Patrick Mahomes, play well and I have him on my fantasy team. I originally had the Chiefs down, but I'm going with the Ravens in overtime. Wow. Uh, yeah. Ravens and OT. Interesting.
2: I, I got something similar to the lines of that. I'm picking, you know, we don't have to cover for weapons. We all are very familiar with the Chiefs and Ravens offenses. I'm picking the Chiefs. And as I, what I say by familiar, I mean, I think whoever has the ball here last will win. And I'm predicting the Chiefs are going to have it last. I think Mahomes is going to have a game to drive. And that's going to put the Ravens away. So Chiefs over Ravens.
0: All right. So let's jump to our fantasy busts and booms of the week. Nick and I give the two players, one from each of us that we think is not going to be good this week. And then we both give players that we think are going to be very good this week. So Nick, I'm going to start with you. Who's your bust for the week?
2: Bust, I'm going with Joe Mixon. Ooh. And this is why, because I think there is a chance, although I picked the Bengals, I think there's a chance that Philadelphia comes to play on Sunday. And Mixon has, you know, he's, he's a great talent, but he has not been a great producer. He hasn't been terrible, but he just hasn't done anything special so far this season. And I don't see him really doing anything special in Sunday's game if the Eagles show up and play, which I think they will on the defensive side of the football, so I think Mixon's my bust.
0: Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia, it's both that offensive line and that defense need to show up. I'm actually going to take the guy you had last week, and that's uh, poor David Johnson. I mean, we've yeah. just been torching, torching him so far. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, he's, he's playing the Steelers. They have, as we said before, an elite defense. I, I don't see David Johnson doing well at all this week. I, I don't think he's going to be good. And Grant, David Johnson's a talented player. He can run. He can. He's a great running back, but I don't. Just not this week, man. It's just, ah,
2: it's tough. Yeah. It's tough.
0: Now, who's your boom for the week? I, I I'm actually excited to hear who this is. I'm
2: booming with DK Metcalf this week.
0: Ooh.
2: And this is why, because I said before, I see the Seahawks Cowboys games going through a a straight up shootout, and I think Metcalf is just going to have a breakout game this season uh i think you could see him i don't know hopefully two touchdowns 100 yards something similar to my pick last week with calvin ridley but you know i like i like seattle i like that wilson metcalf connection he's my
0: boom i actually didn't think about that because I, I know dk is good he just has a problem with running a straight line because he's just but, so muscular yeah. and he can't yep. move but yep. i i can see where you're coming from i'm actually my boom of the week is actually going to be jonathan taylor a nice pick. Nice pick. This, I mean, he's playing the Jets. The Jets. <laughs> I expect him to literally just run circles around Adam Gase's brain because Adam Gase is that dumb and Jonathan Taylor is just that good.
2: Yeah, that's not wrong. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I mean, shout, wrong. Out,
0: shout out to my man, Brendan, who uh, he's a big Jets fan. And Brendan, if you're listening, I'm sending you a virtual hug, buddy. But Jonathan Taylor, he has been stellar. The first two weeks he has been stellar he is clearly the running back one he should be the running back one i mean granted Hines is is out but jonathan taylor has just been so good i mean i can't say it enough times but yeah, might he would still wins. be good this guy is he's probably gonna get like 24 fantasy points i i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he gets for goes for like 30 or, or more I wouldn't be surprised. All right, well, that's just going to about do it for episode three of the Tantalizing Truth podcast. For Nick Feta, I'm Thomas Iello. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the tantalizing truth show. Make sure to retweet all of our stuff on Twitter at the tantalizing, capital T in the, capital T in tantalizing. Also make sure to follow us on Spotify and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Please give us five stars. We could use it We're out here making this content. And we'll see you guys later. Thanks, everyone.